All right, well, it's been a good morning already, hasn't it? It is good to be with you guys again this morning. I'm flying solo today. Uh, the, the whole crew is at the Evergreen State Fair. And so greetings from Evergreen State Fair, Monroe, Washington. Uh, we, they are thinking of you guys uh, as, as we speak, probably. Uh, I got a text from my daughter this morning, and uh, she said, you know, that she's praying for us. And uh, just, uh, anyway, we are delighted to, to continue to build relationships with you guys. It's been fun to get to know uh, some of you more and more. Um, and so thank you so much uh, for, again, the invitation to be here. Thank you for the leadership here at Cedar Home, and, and we appreciate your extending an invitation, and, and it is a delight to be with you. Um, the... The series that we're in is out of the book of Acts, so uh, if you want to open up your own personal copy of the Holy Scriptures, I encourage you to do so. Hopefully you brought yours. It's uh, Acts chapter 6 is what we're looking at today. Um, but I did, um, So you know, we've been looking at the book of Acts and, and just the idea that God is restoring his community. You know, we look at the beginning of creation and eventually one day we will have a new creation, heaven and earth together with, with something beautiful happening with God and in ways that we can only dream or imagine as best we can, interpret scriptures. And, and all I know is it's going to be great and, and, and exciting. I might know a little bit more than that, but, you know, I, I do anticipate it's going to be fantastic. And, um, but, you know, in the midst of it, there's a bunch of brokenness, as we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, I'm broken. Um, you know, raise your hand if you're a little broken. Okay, yeah. And yet God is in the restoration business, and this is what he does, and he's restoring his church. And so we, I think what we see in the book of Acts is that God is building his church, and it is, it is like his movement entering in, ushering the kingdom of God right here, right now, as we speak, as it is in heaven. And I mean, this is an exciting time to be alive. Here we are seeing the fulfillment or the continual fulfillment of Acts 1-8, that we are to be witnesses of the risen Jesus, that we are to be witnesses of like what God has done in our life. And he is like doing new things over and over again. And we're a part of that same era that we find the church today. And so, you know, we've talked about a restored mission and identity, reality, courage, and trust. And today we're, we're talking about a restored calling. And so we're, we have the opportunity to, to kind of jump into the narration in Acts chapter 6 about what, you know, how the kingdom was unfolding. Um, but before we get to that, uh, how many of you have kids? Raise your hand. You know, having kids is, is an interesting thing. It's always exciting. Uh, mostly it's life draining and life fulfilling all at the same time. And uh, what, what's fascinating is, um, well, all of it's fascinating. I mean, from, you know, changing of diapers to, you know, when they outgrow you. Um, and, uh, you know, it's weird when you look at your son that, you, you know, you used to put on, a, uh, on your shoulders. I, I remember I took, uh, I'll leave the name out of it. Um, he, will, he will appreciate this. Um, and, and uh, I, I, t I was taking him up a hike on Mount Baker, and he was in one of those uh, backpack things, you know? I don't know. There's, there's an, I think we've had every single one, or like the Moby Wrap, the Ergo, the, the Bjorn, uh, you know, all, all of the wraps. I think we've had them all. So um, that industry has uh, done a good job of, of helping mothers out and fathers. So anyway, I had like this Ergo thing, I think, on my back, and, and there was a child back here. And, um, and it, you know, by the time, like, 
I, I was in pretty good shape at the time, I think. Uh, I was in fairly decent shape. I was doing all sorts of kind of mountaineering stuff. And anyway, I had, like, you know, he didn't weigh that much, but we get to the top and I'm realizing I'm really sweaty. And I was like, I was surprised at how sweaty I was, but we did get to the top. Well, turn out it was not sweat, I'll just say that. And it was, you know, back in this general vicinity. And, uh, you know, some of you are following along, so that's good. Uh, we got to keep it Baptist friendly so it won't be too graphic. So, um, but yes. You know, so like those are interesting times, but you know, so, so then the, the same child that, you know, might have done that uh, to me on the way, you know, we, uh, we crested the summit of Mount Adams just, uh, just a few weeks ago together and uh, got to the top. Uh, he probably had to carry me more. And, um, and we got up there and I just gave my two kids a big hug and just kind of wept with them. And it was like this moment that I had of like pride and like, what a special thing, you know? And like, I used to carry you now, here we are, you know, doing something like, it felt like a big accomplishment. It's just a mountain, but it's like, you know, you get on top of something like that and you see God's creation and you're like, wow, we, we did something today. And to do it with them is a treat. But man, kids are always, they're always changing. Like, you know, like you, they're always rapidly changing. You, you look down at them, then you look up at them and, and um, you know, they're, they're, they're launching into, into young adults, but there's always this like dynamic, you know, it, you know the, the first like three months, they're just changing rapidly. And, and um, we had the chance to go to a wedding of old friends and we hadn't seen them in a couple years. And, you know, some of the kids have grown like a foot since the last time we saw them. I mean, it's, it's amazing, right? There's lots of change, and in some ways, I think the church is like that, too. There's lots of changes constantly. There's, there's things, people coming in, people leaving. We just talked to somebody that might be migrating, you know, to, to a different state, you know, in the near future, and, and, you know, so there's always change, right? Families coming in, uh, families are growing, more kids being added, you know, kids being dedicated to the Lord, um, and then, you know, we have uh, some of the older generation, right, and all of the changes that come with that, and so there are, like, in the church, there is change, always. And as we see in the book of Acts, that's, you know, it was the same then. And so here we are, we find ourselves in, in chapter 6, and, and, uh, and there is, yet one more time, the potential for division. One more time, there's the potential for something to go askew. There's the potential for the enemy to try to sweep in and, and try to kind of derail early on what God was doing through this church in Jerusalem. And it's a baby church. It's in its infancy, but it is growing and it is blowing up in a good way. It is going gangbusters, like whatever cliche we want to use. It is, you know, it's taken off. And God is on the move. The kingdom is coming. People's lives are being changed and transformed. People are giving up, like buying into God's love and lessening their love of possessions. And there's this beautiful sense of, of generosity that's taking place and the, the servant-heartedness of it all. And uh, it, it's just great. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's some conflict that starts to arise. And so let's jump in right now. Uh, Acts chapter 6. Now, in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Join me as we pray. Lord, this is your word, and we recognize that it is, uh, it is authority, and it is true. And so we would ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would be active and moving as as Holy Spirit, you already have been. And so would you continue to move in our hearts and continue to move in our lives? And would you, uh, would you have something for us this morning from your word? We do pray for that. We are dependent upon you. We need you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the, um, the church was was an exciting time and it was attracting lots of people and i think you know we have this group of the hellenists and so the hellenists were basically jewish people that had uh, been exposed to greek culture and they might speak the greek language they might be um in in some ways you know taking uh part in greek cultural things and they had probably come back it's it's speculated that hey probably come back to jerusalem during the time of Pentecost, had heard the gospel being preached, had heard, you know, maybe in their own tongue, had heard the gospel and um, in this amazing, miraculous, wondrous fashion. And they had, they had heard this and they had stayed. And uh, there was a, a, clearly there was a group of widows that were of this Hellenist um, background and, uh, and, and they were somehow being neglected. And, and were they being neglected because of sin? Were they being neglected because of neglect? Or were they being neglected because of just being overlooked? Or, you know, I don't know. But what we do know is that there was, there was an issue that was happening in the church. And there was some neglect that was taking place. And so, you know, they decided to get together, hold a vote, and they church split. No, that didn't happen. Um, no, that, that didn't happen. There was, there was, no, they, they got together and, and started gossiping about how horrible it was, and then half the church left. No, that didn't happen either. And what happened was a pretty mature thing. They realized an issue, they brought it to the leadership, and they said, this is what's going on. And the leadership of the church said, wow, this is going on. Let's figure out a solution. And so they said, hey, we need to figure out uh, we need to appoint some people that are going to take care of this and can lead in this manner. And people that have the right character, the right quality, the right abilities, the right skill set to be able to do this, not only just to do it, but to do it well and to do it with excellence. And so these seven gentlemen were appointed and uh, they started taking care of, of the Hellenist widows. And you would imagine, because we don't hear about it again, we would imagine like it goes well. Right, so an issue bubbled up. There wasn't gossip and rancor and, and uh, church splitting. None of that took place. The enemy maybe tried to, you would imagine, I would imagine that the enemy would try to like use that moment of division to, uh, to kind of create some sort of disgruntledness. And instead of that being uh, established, what, what took place was we hear a pretty, we see and, and utilize what the church is doing is, is putting together some sort of organization that's going to help take care of these widows' needs. And I think it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And all of a sudden you have these people, Stephen, 
I mean, they've got great names. Prochorus, right? Solid, solid name. Nicanor, right? Timon, Parmenas, Nicolaus, these, uh, don't forget Philip, right? So these, these are solid, solid people. And, and, and they went from being, you know, like, hey, I'm just here to do whatever it is that God wants me to do. And then all of a sudden, like, here, you're, you're, you have a job. You have a calling. Let me, let me, you know, as the church gets together and they're going to lay, the apostles are going to lay their hands on these gentlemen and they're going to release them to do just what it is that God is calling them to do. And they have the right temperament, the right skill set, the right abilities, and, and they're in the right place at the right time with a heart that says, I am willing and able and like, let's go. Sign me up. I'm happy to do this. The, the, you know, the, these widows matter. These widows matter. I mean, you, you can read through Genesis and, and Leviticus and you can find places where, where, uh, where the scripture is very clear that we need to take care of our widows and our orphans. And what a blessing to have Dan here this morning to talk about just the opportunity to, to bless the poor. To do the things that the church has been called to do, right? To step into that gap and to meet these needs. And so the, these people were just there and they, they were willing and, and, and able and God had set them up for this, right? They were wired just right for this role. And the church got together and said, these are the ones Clearly, these are the ones the Holy Spirit is active and moving and they see, like the, the church says, yes, let's not forget Prochorus. <laughs> like he's perfect for this role. Stephen gets all the pub, but like I think we should care about Prochorus too. <laughs> they were in the right place at the right time with the right gifting. You guys are sitting in these chairs at the right place, at the right time, with the right gifting. Just like, just, just like Parmenas, just like Nicolaus, right? They were there. They had the right gifting. You are here. You're in these seats. You have the right gifting. God is wanting to move in all of our lives to get us in a place where he is able to use the gifts that he has given us. Um, you know, this conflict arose and instead of creating division, instead of being something where it's going to create a battlefield, instead of us and them, and it, you know, instead of creating a situation where there's division and, and there's those that are happy and those that are unhappy and, and feelings of resentment and, and all sorts of things that can happen in a congregation anytime that people are involved. Like a congregation is fantastic until people get involved, right? And then they bring their sinful self to, to the congregation and then you have potential for division. And, and here, this was a ripe situation, right? Where you have these different cultural backgrounds coming together and, and yet in the midst of it, unity was found. Why? Because people were willing to say yes to God and to fill the role that they were designed to fulfill. The apostles knew what they were called to do and they wanted to stick to what they were called to do. It was clear what they were called to do. And so then they brought on others that were called to do something different. And it was cool because they were like wired differently. They were, you know, designed differently. They had different sets of abilities and giftings and strengths and personalities, and they were, they were perfect for what they were to do. You set me in front of a sewing machine and I will wound myself before a hat is created. It, is, it would not be pretty. But Dina, right? I mean, she's just gonna just whip these hats out like crazy, right? Uh, I, she showed me some of the dresses that they're making. It's, it's fantastic. And, and uh, you know, that is like her gifting and her skill set, and it is awesome that she is using it for the kingdom. And she's in the right place at the right time with the right gifting and blessing the Everett Gospel Mission. How cool. Very, very cool. 
There are other gifts that we find. Like, so these, these, uh, these that we see here, they, uh, they were picked because they had the, the skill set, the personality, the giftings, the, the strengths that were needed for that. But if, you, if we look to Romans chapter 12, we see that there are, there are a few places in Scripture that talk about other gifts of the Spirit that believers are given when they come to Christ. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. He's like plain speaking Paul. Always clear, always direct, uh, maybe sometimes blunt, um, but very, very clear. You know, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And, you know, of course, you know, doing all of this in the midst of love, right? Uh, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We find another kind of similar list throughout the, the chapter here. Verses 8 and 10 says that for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And then he kind of brings in this, you know, this image of this one body with many mem members. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. The body needs each of us, like we are all a part of the body. Each one of us who have come and put their faith and trust in Jesus has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present in you. And to each of us, he's given gifts and abilities so that we can participate in the advancement of the kingdom of God, joining God in the work that he's doing. He wants to use each of us in the ways that, uh, that we are specifically wired for. Right? And, and you could go through that list, and there's some in Peter and Romans and 1 Corinthians, and, and you, could, you could find like, you know, the different kind of potential spiritual gifts that you have been given by the Holy Spirit that, that indwells in you, that allows you to do things in a way, in a manner that is like specifically to fulfill the things that God has for you. And, you know, I just, I think it's amazing that we are all wired in a unique, unique manner. Each of us are designed specifically, um, you know, and intentionally different than the people that, you know, you look around. And, you, I mean, you look around, you know, and I, I've met several of you, um, and, uh, you know, and I've kind of gotten to know a few of you, you know, more and, and, uh, than others. And, and so it's like, you know, some of you, like, are wired really differently than me. And that is a good thing. Like, you know, like too many of me would be terrible. Um, like one is probably too much for my wife, right? Uh, a little, like just ask my kids. Like sometimes I'm a bit much. And, you know, so, so having, you know, like it's nice that we are like are a part of a body. 
because I need my wife who is like compassionate and loving and kind because like she rounds me out. If it were up to me, I would probably kind of be a little bit of a hermit. Like you people wear me out. Uh, I, I love you people. I'm just being frank with you. Um, I love being with people for a season. And uh, then I need my own season. And I've been at the Evergreen State Fair and I'm just glad to be with you this morning. <laughs> And have had some coffee, and the Holy Spirit is at work, and uh, I love people. I do. I love people, but I, you know, I love a certain amount of people. Not the amount of people, the time with people. <laughs> I just need a little bit of alone time. But my wife, she is a, a builder of community. Like, she is, like, hospitality. Like, that's her thing. She wants to welcome people into the home, and she wants to, like, you know, uh, you know like, provide lots of food for people. And, and, and you know, so this is, this is what she does. She builds community. She gathers people. She's a collector. She's a maximizer of, of like, community. And next thing you know, like, we're not alone. And, and that's mostly good. And, uh, and it, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, my life is so much better and so much richer and so much warmer because of her. My wife, Carissa, is amazing. And I love her dearly. And, you know, 24 years of being married and five years of dating her before. Like, I'm a better person because I am partnered with her. And, uh, you know, and it's fun. I, we were actually driving home from this wedding yesterday and, and uh, just talking about our different kids. And it's, it's like they're all different and they're all unique and they all have their skills and strengths and, and weaknesses. And it is fun to like pour into them and to see and to just dream about how God is going to use them in the kingdom in the future. And we, I mean, I was getting like fired up just thinking about the things that like how, um, how they're different, wired differently and, and what, you know, like what God is going to do in them and through them and maybe what spiritual gifts they might have. And anyway, it was, it was a fantastic conversation. I was excited about it. And, um, and, and I think maybe as I think about it, a lot of that conversation was in my own mind as we're driving, but, uh, it, it, it was, it was, I was fired up. So it was, it was good. We are, we are all like gifted and unique and in awesome ways. So let's go back to Acts chapter six. I lost my spot. Here we go. Acts chapter six. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Wait a minute. I thought he was supposed to be just like taking care of the widows. And I, I thought he was just like supposed to be doing the finances. I thought this guy was just supposed to be behind the scenes, kind of figuring out, like making sure that all these people that were like selling their land and donating their money, then they were bringing them to the apostles. And, and the apostles were like, hey, here, Stephen and Prochorus and, you know, figure out how to use his money to bless the people. I thought he was supposed to be like behind the scenes, just number crunching. No, here's Stephen, full of grace and power. He was still doing great wonders and signs among the people. Why? Because we're all called to love God and to love others and to be witnesses of the risen Christ. Like this is what we're called to do. Whether you're a number cruncher or a people person or if you're more of like a hermit like me and you just want to like get a cave in the woods. Like, you know, like that's cool, but you got to figure out how to preach the gospel there. Right? That's because you're called to do that. Like, I, I don't know how that like is going to happen for you, but you, you got to figure out how you're going to love God, love others and preach the word because that's what we're all called to do as followers of Christ. Like this is all of our calling. This is what we're supposed to do. And some of us maybe we might like numbers more than people, but that doesn't mean we're off the hook for sharing the gospel. Like we are still to love God, love others and preach the word. Like that's what we are all called to do. So here's, here's Stephen. He's supposed to just be serving the tables, you know, making sure the widows are taken care of. And here he is doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belong to the synagogue of the freedmen, 
as it was called, and, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and disputed with Stephen. And so they start picking a fight with him. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like that face of an angel. And we are going to pay a little bit more attention to Stephen when we get to Acts chapter 7. An amazing man. You know, but I, I do think it's interesting that Stephen wasn't just doing maybe his appointed job, that he was still fulfilling just the very basic call on his life, which is to love God, love others, and preach the good news. It's beautiful. One of, one of my favorite passages um, in, in Scripture is, is Ephesians chapter 2. Well, the whole book is, well, I like the Bible. <laughs> it's always good not to lie from the pulpit. The whole thing's good. All right. So, um, we are, for we are his workmanship. And Paul's talking about you guys, he's talking about us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And these are powerful words. This is the Apostle Paul talking about us, the church, that we are his workmanship. Some, some would say that like, we are his masterpiece. We are his poem. We are his artistry. We are his masterpiece. Like, like we are his uh, magnus opus, right? We are his, we are his um, workmanship, as it says in the ESV created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So I, I believe that the church, like, I believe that what God wants to do in the church is to restore our calling, to restore our understanding of, of like, who we are as Christians. If we're going to be followers of Christ, what does that look like? Well, number one, we're going to restore our calling. What is it that we're called to do? And Ephesians chapter 2 says that, that we have been created I mean, when, we are, when our calling is restored, it informs our worship. Uh, when, our, when we understand our calling, it is going to inform how we worship our God because our calling is attached to the fact that we were created, right? I mean, you go back to Genesis 1, we were created in his image, male and female, created in his image. And so all of us are image bearers. We reflect the character of God. I'll, like, I try to pray daily with my kids um, about how, like, you have an opportunity today to reflect the image of God. I mean, whether they do it or not, they're image bearers, and some days they reflect a little bit more accurately than other days. Um, you know, but, but they are all image bearers. You guys are image bearers. If you are in Christ, you are an image bearer of the creator God. And there are attributes of him in you. Right? And, and that's just who we are. We are created by God. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. 
How great is it to know that it is God who is the creator, that he made us on purpose for a purpose, uniquely wired for this time at this place, in this moment, with the skills and abilities and giftings and spiritual gifts and personality and character and wisdom and everything that has gone into the big soup that you are. Like for right now, you have a job to do. According to Paul, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. So like, there's like a master plan and you're in it, right? Okay, like I want you to know that you're important. Like you are valuable in the kingdom of God, whether you're male or female, whether you, are, uh, you have a title or not, whether you work outside the home or work inside the home, you matter to God and you have a, like God wants to use you. Like they're like well before you were even a glimmer in your parents' eyes. You know, yeah, right, well before that, right? God had a plan for you. He has good works for you. And he knew that you were going to be here right now, right now, at this time, in this place, right here in this community, and he has a plan for you. And, and, and you are uniquely wired, different than me, different than your neighbor, different than your spouse, different than your children. And you are, like, specifically designed for the thing that God wants you to do. That's exciting. Somebody might say amen to that. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. And that informs our worship. Like there is a God of the universe that loves us so great and uniquely and intimately. Like he is transcendent above all and yet is uniquely like intimate with you. That's beautiful. That informs our worship. Like praise God. The God of the universe has like good works for you to do. He has been so generous in his love and mercy towards us. What an opportunity to recognize in our generosity towards him. So when our calling is restored, it informs our worship, but when our calling is restored, it also informs our need for community. We need one another. We cannot do this alone. Like, I need my wife. We need one another. The church needs the body. You know, as members of a body, like, we need one another. You know, if you are, uh, if you're trying to do like this kingdom thing on your own, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Like if you're just a big toe, you're not going to get very far, right? Like the big toe is important. Even the pinky toe, you know, I've been told is important. So like, like all of that is true. Like whatever part of the body you are, it, it is valuable. And God like has uniquely wired you like that on purpose. And it's good but we need one another to fulfill all of that which that God wants to do, right? As he is bringing his kingdom right here, right now, as it is in heaven, like we all need to be a part of that. We all need to be a part of it. We need one another. The head does not function without the rest of the body. So when our calling is restored, it informs our need for community. Also when our calling is restored, it informs our priorities, our generosity with our service, investment, and material possessions, how we choose to spend our days. And when we understand the good works that the Lord has set before us, we get to join him in his work. Not only just to get to do it, but we get to prioritize it, right? So here's Stephen. He's, he's like spo supposed to be taking care of these widows, which I'm sure he was doing a fantastic job. I'm sure he was. But in the midst of that, he's still doing signs and wonders, you know, preaching the good news. Like, that's just, that's just like he's doing what he's called to do. He is uniquely wired to do that. You are uniquely wired to do the good works that the Lord has set before you well in advance of 
your, this moment right now. Like, it, it's, it's so cool. It is exciting to think and to, to dwell on and to think, like, how is it, God, how is it that, like, like, how have you wired me today for this moment? And if you're a young person here and you've got your whole life ahead of you, awesome. Like, jump on board. Like, figure out how God has wired you. Uh, you know, like, you know, talk with some, some uh, mature Christians and, and just ask them, like, how do you think God has wired me and what, what would my future look like? And how can I be a part of what God is doing right here and right now? And if you're like 73 and you're thinking, man, you know, like, uh, just checking the clock occasionally, uh, you know, awesome. Like, God has wired you specifically for this season of your life right now right? You're 75, you're 78, you're 83 years old. Like you are unique right now for this moment. God has good works for you right now that, that you couldn't do at 13. But now that you're 83, you're ready to go. And God has you in the place that you're at specifically on purpose for a purpose, right? And so whether you're 13 or 83 or anything in between, even 93, right? Right? We are, we have a purpose and God has us. That, and that's great. And so just as you, as you uh, go the rest of your week, would you, consider, would you consider how you can join the King of Kings with the gifting that he has given you? Would you have, con- like, uh, I just encourage you, families, have conversations around the table this week with your children or your grandchildren or your cousins or your roommates or, or your coworkers and just have questions like, how have we been wired? How have we been uniquely created by God? And how can we use that, our unique wiring, our gifting, our abilities, our strengths, our weaknesses, all of that in this big soup together, how can we use this to join God in the work that he's been doing here? And what do you think would be the good works that he has set before us? Maybe there are good works together as a family that you're going to participate in. Maybe there are good works that the individual's in there. And it's not a good work so that you can be saved, that's not what I'm talking about at all. There's no salvation associated with good works. You're not going to earn. It's not like if you do enough good works, you're going to make it to heaven. Like, don't, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying because you're saved, because you trust Jesus, because you have trusted him for your salvation, because you have put your faith in him, you have been saved. And it's great. Not only have you been saved, but you've given the Holy Spirit and you've been given giftings and, and like now you have purpose in life to love God, love others, and to advance and preach the, the kingdom. And he's given you specific abilities so that you can do some of these good works that he set before you. And that, that is, that's good, and that's exciting. And I, I would pray that as, uh, just as individuals and as families, you would have conversations this week. Would you, I challenge you, have conversations over the dinner table this week about like how you have been uniquely wired to do the things that God would have you do. Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful for this morning. We are grateful for uh, just how you resolved a potential issue in the church with strong organization of raising up people that were uniquely gifted for that time and place to do the things that needed to be taken care of, to care deeply for the widows that you love, And Lord, I pray that each one of us would have an opportunity today and throughout the week to think about how it is that you have uniquely wired us and how we can participate in your kingdom right here in Stanwood. Thank you for this church and thank you for the people here, the families, the individuals. 
Lord, thank you for this community. Thank you that we have one another. Thank you that there are people here that know how to sow. Thank you that there are people here that know how to make a floral arrangement to bring something beautiful. Thank you that that is a blessing to the church. Thank you for those who can sing and those that can't. Thank you for those that can play music and those that can uh, make the microphones work. And thank you for the whole body and how you have wired each of us. Would you press, like, Holy Spirit, would you speak into our hearts this week as a community of how we can participate in what you're doing here, near, and far? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, would you guys stand for the benediction, and I will dismiss you. This is out of Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.